0: You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read story ever, but for many it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To contact us directly or to learn more about the show, visit our website, betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com and also listener, while you're doing those things, please give us a like and a follow on your platform of choice. That's gonna do two things. One, it's going to help us spread the podcast even farther by telling the algorithm that this is worthwhile content. And two, it's gonna help you out by giving you a notification every Tuesday morning when we release another episode discussing 30 minutes of the grand biblical narrative. And we are back once again all together in the same room we always love recording doing that and continuing on in genesis 26 last time we talked about the return of uh recur, recur ca- recurring character abimelech mm-hmm. probably he probably won't be as fun to talk about as um the other recurring character we love um eleazar of damascus
1: <laughs> but you know <laughs> he, he has faded off the scene. <laughs> yeah coming back
0: but we can always we can think about it every time something happens with you know the family that god would a covenant to it's like what would Eliezer think about this right now
2: (laughs) i could have been a contender (laughs) (laughs) this this all could have been mine yeah
0: so i entertain no delusion that we're we are going to be in genesis 26 but the question uh, is where
1: in genesis uh, the same verses okay (laughs) there's still more to talk about because okay so this happens so
2: often like where we finish recording like you know what we didn't say
1: <laughs> so uh, by the way I was listening to a description or maybe no I was reading a description of the difference between myth and propaganda is that a myth continues to have meaning and it you, no matter how many times you read it it's got thousands of different implications you can pull from it propaganda has one message mm. and this from it, a literary perspective though uh, propaganda can become mythologized oh yeah no no doubt uh, no doubt but when you look at scripture, scripture is not propaganda. Scripture, it, it, it has gotten people use scripture for propaganda, <laughs> you know, like myth can be propagandized it yeah, goes and, and, ways. and
2: distinguish how you're using the word myth. Uh, yeah. Myth. Way.
1: I'm not talking about made up story. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about, you're not story. talking about
2: what's being told. You're talking about how it's being told. Yes.
1: The style, right. how it's being told. Yeah.
2: So even though this is being dense, Yeah. You're reading something that seems deceptively simple. Uh, but it's actually deeply rich and points forward and backward and uh, all other sorts of ways it, I mean this is this is
1: well this is high density nutritional wording <laughs> that's right so for the, to me, one of the easiest books to understand this is in the Gospel of John the Gospel of John, you've got seven major signs that Jesus does, but then in the book, John says, Hey, listen, if we wrote down everything that Jesus did, like not even all the books in the world contain okay. well, and, but, and,
2: and and how John is written, like they yeah, these if, things. I've if written, someone comes yeah. to
1: faith, yeah, someone
2: comes to faith in Jesus, and they're like, "Where should I start studying the Bible?" Uh, You're like, "Give them John." If right. someone's like a Bible expert and they need to like mine some new insights, send them to John. I, a toddler won't drown, but an elephant could. That, that's right,
1: that, that, and I, that's that not is, original to me. I yeah, got but that, that is that. so huge because it is—it's the style of which it is written. Yeah, and, so, and that—but that's not just John, is what we're saying. That's not just John, but it's—it's it's this idea that there is so much sitting there, like the whole that the elephant could drown, and that's the whole of Scripture. It's
2: why, it's why we're a hundred bajillion episodes in and we're still in Genesis 26.
1: And also, <laughs> by the way, when I go back and I listen to older episodes, I'm like, man,
2: we missed this. We, gosh, we, <laughs> we missed this. So
1: with that being said, we're still sitting in the same room, in which we recorded episode 132. This is 133. And as soon as we finished that episode, it was, oh my gosh, I can't believe we didn't see this. And then it was, oh, okay, well, we got to go back. We We, we got to go back. So. I wanted to reread today. I'm going to reread, and then I'm going to point out something that jumped out at me, and I want to hear y'all's thoughts on it. Okay. Okay. This is Genesis 26, verses 1 through 5, as always from the ESV. Now, there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Okay, so there's a couple of things. We've already talked about how it goes back to Genesis 12. Nathan, you reminded us last time in the sense of go to the land of which I shall tell you. Uh, that's or show Genesis. you in Genesis 12, it's I will cause you to see Ra yeah yeah, yeah, but you, yeah in genesis 26 it's tell you but, oh yeah, yeah yeah i'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. yeah but it, it's it, there's like um we're hearing the stuff of genesis 12 here and we're also hearing genesis 21 which was uh, Abimelech's in the story and, we, we and genesis 15 the stars and the oh yeah yes yeah. the stars language multiply
2: all of that stuff but and, the, Gen- the genesis 21 thing is you hit something on that that i was like
1: uh-huh. Well, it's yeah. really Genesis 22. Yeah, that's but, it. Yeah. And we mentioned Genesis 22 last week, but there is a statement here that it is made identically in Genesis 22. And it's this, and I'm going to throw this out in Gandalf and see if you can pick this up okay. where we've heard this before, thinking around Genesis 22 in what context. It says, and the Lord, is is verse two, and the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. I shall tell you. So there's a couple of things there. When's the first time that God says, go to a place that I shall do something? Uh, I'm thinking with Abraham. Yeah. Genesis 12. 12, yeah. okay. Yeah. And it's not that I shall tell you, but the land I shall... Is yeah. You. yeah, it's it's a hip from Ra, cause you to see. I will show you. I will show you. But in Genesis 22, the language is used... When we turn back, um, let me scroll there real quick. This is when Abraham is tested. Let me read to you verse number one and two. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offered to him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Here's the statement of which I shall tell you, you know, there.
2: So the exact so, statement. It. So for, for listeners, Genesis 26 right. is almost verbatim repeating Genesis 12. With the exception of, instead of using rah-ah, see it is picking up Amer to say, by the way, right. this goes all the way back to creation because God speaks, he says it, uh, and then he sees it. Those are the two primary verbs of the creation account. Right. So it's not in, it's not just happenstance that that's the case. Um, but so it almost directly quotes Genesis 12 with the exception of changing Ra'a as in Genesis 12 to Amer as in Genesis 22. Why is that so important for what's being said
1: to Isaac? Because of Genesis 20, because <laughs> yeah. this is where God chose Abraham, the provision.
2: And this is, yeah. So this is everything we we're talking about last time. The command
1: is told in the context of faithfulness that has been seen. Oh, that is so powerful. So keep in mind, what's our context Gandalf? We oh, read this in 10, 26, one. What is in, what is going on? What is the cultural phenomenon it's a famine it is a famine so what do you not have access to the, the cupboards famine? are bare the, the cupboards are bare what do you not have access to
2: food food i've been rereading the hunger games with my son so this is hitting strong <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right well uh,
0: from our perspective it's 12 30 and we haven't had lunch and
2: it's yet, funny, So it's definitely no, that's, strong. I'm that's halfway. Right. i'm halfway through catching fire right now and we're We're talking about Genesis 22. So, I mean, Uh, this is all, (laughs) everything's lining up.
1: Uh, Well, uh, my kids, last week, I introduced them to Star Wars, and we watched Star Wars Episode one, and they're like, they love little kid Anakin. I have not broken it to them that... Bad news. (laughs) That there is more to come on that little kid Anakin. Jesus loves the little children. Anakin, later on, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But But anyway, in looking here... This direct correlation between a man who does not see in the land of famine where the provision is going to come from, if anybody understands that God can provide in the place that he tells you, Isaac understands. Yeah, and that's because it's Genesis
2: 22 that culminates with Yahweh Yireh. The yeah. Lord will see to it, or as we typically say, Jehovah Jireh. Yeah, uh, but it's it's neat. It starts with Abraham. I'm going to show you in twelve, right? In Genesis, it's tw- Genesis 22. He's testing Abraham's faith, presuming he will pass. And he says, Abraham, go where I tell you, because when Abraham goes to where he tells him, God is faithful to do to show him. Is faith? Ba- you know what I'm saying? The Lord will see to it, and so. It's kind of like we talked about in Genesis 22, by the way, Abraham has lived a lot of life and he's had a few laughs, pun on Isaac's name. Abraham's seen a lot of faithfulness between Genesis 12 and Genesis 22. Isaac, you more than anyone should know that same thing. <laughs> uh, and so that is important. Uh, I, I, I do think the command is, is is born out of that
1: somewhat. So another thing that I saw here that is different in Genesis 12, we're not told that God appears to Abraham. God just starts to speak. Yep. But I'm going to show you. That's right. Acts chapter seven, as Stephen reflects on this story, he says, no, God did appear to Abraham back in uh, Ur of the Chaldeans. And that's Acts chapter seven, verse number one, um, where it says "And the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, verse two, brothers and fathers, hear me, the God of glory appeared to our father, Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So that there is some kind of an appearance language that God did appear. Um, but w- what's interesting to me when you compare these two things, there's the appearance that God and God speaks to Abraham. He now speaks to Isaac. Look down in verse five. What is the first thing that God commends Abraham for? Obeying his voice. Obeying his voice. Yeah. So this is Genesis 12. Abraham leaves this country, his father's house and goes to a land that God will show him. Um, but have y'all this, I mean, this is not what
2: the podcast is about, but I'm like, I'm not trying to be preachy, but have y'all seen this story of like the lawyer? This is a news story. I, I, it was from last year about the lawyer who was like in Alaska doing something and he, he had a flight back, but he was offered like a charter flight and said, and he gets on this and the pilot passes out.
1: No, I have And they're so. flying
2: in dense. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. And they're fl- they're flying in dense clouds. And so he gets hooked up with like uh, an air traffic controller who's like following the dots on the oh, big wow. And he can't see anything. He has no idea how to fly a plane, but they guide homeboy back on the basis of listening to the voice. Like, wow. Y- you can't see where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. How do you respond to the voice? of the guy who can see it differently than you do. Uh, and that, by the way, that is a worth, uh, for, for any preachers listening to this, that is a worthwhile story to look up for a sermon illustration. That's right. Uh, but for for our podcast, like, this is real talk because we're not all called to sacrifice a kid on Mount Moriah, right. <laughs> but we all arrive at junctures when we're trying to live obediently to God where it doesn't make sense. Uh, I have, I have certainly had those moments where um, it can be disappointing or you can become doubtful because God, I know there's this thing, but I'm not seeing anything that, that supports this thing. Uh, and you, you, you trust in the moment you see after the moment.
1: Well, actually I said this in a sermon a couple of weeks ago that God at times works differently, but most of the time God gets direction and not directions. <laughs> Like we want it broken down, <laughs> like in every little step of the way. And most of the time God is giving a heading and say, listen, and, and more direction comes along the way as you need it. In the beginning, it it's not like, for instance, when I put in a destination in my, um, my iPhone, when I'm driving in the car, uh, is it, it finds the directions for me and it shows this list of like 10 steps i already know everything i'm going to do like down to the foot in 200 yeah, feet yeah, exactly but it I, gives
2: them to you as you need them
1: yes it's it's a both and god however because I start driving
2: like <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah but this way oh yeah yeah i want you to drive and i want you to drive in this way and it's and, not
2: climbing your east he's calling you west
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right
2: for our long time listeners um
1: but but man, there there really is something here that it is, hey, Isaac, hey. I don't want you, this is not a Genesis 12 moment. It is, but it's more than that. It's Genesis 22. It is you're going to trust that I'm going to provide right here. And if and I I get back, Isaac, anybody should know. You should know. Because you saw how it was provided on the mountain. Well, this is kind of like Isaac's...
2: That's what I love about this chapter is, in a sense, uh, the link to Genesis 22. Because, again, in Genesis 22, unless you're in later Jewish interpretation of it, in Genesis 22, as we have it biblically, Isaac is largely a passive figure. That's right. Um, So this passage is kind of Isaac stepping into Abraham's shoes as an agent of active faith. Does that make sense? Um, and so it's neat as the chapter unfolds, Abraham had dug these wells and they, people came behind and they filled them in later on. And so Isaac is going to redig the wells and they're going to be the whole beersheba well of the oath. We're the people who live by the promises of
1: God. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing, just my own personal life. Um, so. I'm a pastor's son, and I would mention that in the last episode, I'm a pastor's son. But what was different between me and a lot of my peers who are also pastor's sons, is my dad was called to be a pastor and entered seminary and ministry when I was a kid, and not just a baby, I was 11 years old. Mm. I remember it very well. There is a distinct memory in my mind memories in my mind of life before my dad was a pastor and life after. And I don't mean there was a, a change of character. My dad has always been a man character. But I it, it was a I went and lived through that literal leaving the life that we had in order for dad to pursue what he believed God was calling him to do. And, and that's that's we not, that's not I mean now we're in
2: we're in ministry. I mean that's right. And that's one of one of the hardest things, by the way, when you're one of the hardest things as a kid, to your point is when your father felt called somewhere, regardless of what your roots were, that's you right. went with him, you went with him. And now like I'm a pastor and I've had, uh, I've had a few times where I felt God was calling me in a new direction. And I mean, you're a prayer partner of mine, you know, that's a lot of prayer and a that's lot right. of fun. It's not something you're just flipping about. Um, but you also, when you're praying through that, you know you're not just making that decision and you're not just seeking that guidance for yourself. It's for your whole family. And Isaac's got more than one mouth.
1: <laughs> That's right. To feed in the famine. <laughs> I think, though, what I'm, what I'm getting at here in this is that, piggybacking on that, is that when those decisions have arisen in my life, it was hammered in a very positive way Yes. into who I am that I saw my dad follow God, That's and I saw how God blessed his life, and I saw dad do a hard thing, and God provide, and dad go to seminary when he would work in a full-time job, and uh, raising a family, and I saw dad do all of this stuff, and God provide, and that has, even from my childhood and adolescence, has left such a massive impression on me that even as a kid and i i can i saw god provide
2: that's it and i saw i can think of um at least two times and i, I don't i was not always privy to my parents' business right um uh, but i can think of two times where there was an opportunity on the table that from human consideration looked really good for dad yeah um say no to either one of these would be counterintuitive uh but prayerfully in seeking god's direction he did not have a peace that that was God's path. And so he said, no. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, I, that's been a very, cause it's, it's very, it's very easy to think on the basis of all the stuff we can see. <laughs> right. <laughs> rather than the stuff we can't
1: see. What do you go by? You know, I hate to like skip around, but it's kind of what you do with the Bible. Uh, before we were recording this morning, we were talking about the book of Daniel. Uh, one of the, this- stories that I really, really love in there is the comparison contrast between the two kings of Babylon, uh, King Belshazzar, no, King Belshazzar, not Belshazzar, that's Daniel. (laughs) King Belshazzar and King Nebuchadnezzar is that Nebuchadnezzar in his pride and arrogance was humbled and then turned his heart softly towards the king of heaven. Uh, We can read about that beautiful testimony in Daniel 4, Daniel 5. King Belshazzar is so arrogant that many, many
2: tackle Parsons. Yeah. He's having (laughs) a
1: a party with the temple vessels Vessels. and and he's, you know, desecrating all of this stuff. And the, the, the rebuke that Daniel gives to King Belshazzar is listen. In fact, I I, will read it directly. If I'm remembering correctly, he actually says when God humbled Nebuchadnezzar, um, You saw all this, but you have not humbled your heart. Meaning you have not learned from what God did in your dad or probably granddad. In that case, you have not learned from what God did in his life. And so this is a negative example of what God is doing in a parent's life or a grandparent's life is for later generations to learn. Mm. And when you think of this story. Am I remembering that right, Nathan? Doesn't he say that in Daniel 5? Yeah.
2: O king, the most... This is Daniel five eighteen following. Um, He's talking to Belshazzar. Mm-hmm. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all people's nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed, and whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up, and whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly. He was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Thank you. I can't wait to the day that hopefully we're still alive and get to Daniel. (laughs) Um, And man, y'all, I love Daniel. Y'all have no idea. We are talking like an hour about Daniel. Um, um, Oh, but he was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a beast. Hey, remind us of what it's talking about there. This is coming from uh, Daniel. For seven chapter, years. Yeah. For Daniel chapter four, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who's God has borne patiently with him up to Daniel four. Right. But Nebuchadnezzar was having a proud moment. So God essentially made him lose his mind. and He was cast away from the city and lived like a beast dot, dot, dot in the wilderness, uh, uh, cast out of his artificial garden. Uh, man, you're going to get me like talking 30 minutes on Daniel. Um, <laughs> so listen to that tidbit or go read Daniel four. Anyway. He was driven from among the children of mankind. His mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this. this. That is the statement. You knew better. And this is, man, that goes back to the garden. You knew better. Um, you've done good, uh, uh, but you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of Heaven and the vessels of His house. But which, by the way, what did the temple represent? Place where heaven meets earth, slash Eden. Okay. Anyway, um, and the vessels of His house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which uh, do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath. And who, who all your ways you have not honored. Uh, and then this is where the the writing is on the wall. You're not going to make it through the night. <laughs> you're not, not going to make
1: it. But this is the comparison contrast of looking how Isaac learns from what God did in his dad's his life. life. Belshazzar sees it and is like, he that. didn't, he didn't learn. One, well, you and you have the you have a lot of different positive
2: and negative examples. Solomon not walking in the ways of David. Right. But also Josiah not walking in the ways of Amy. You know, uh learn the right lessons
1: uh from your right. <laughs> right. Um so yeah. So I think as you know, man. A couple things here, a couple of reflections. This makes me really grateful for my dad.
2: <laughs> um shout out to David Powell, yeah, to whom I right. owe breakfast. Yes. Two breakfasts, actually. <laughs>
1: that's right. Um but but also being reminded of learning from your dad and your parents. This is going to be the reoccurring thing throughout the rest of the Old Testament. Is Israel. You didn't learn from what I did in their lives, either positively or... Wilderness
2: generation. That's right. And then when they come into the land. Yes. When Joshua and that generation died.
1: Yes. They did
2: not learn... Pass down the right
1: lessons. not only pass down take up take up it, it, it is both and yeah uh because he, and by the way uh, I, I know but
2: this and again wrapping up here again, David Solomon Rehoboam Solomon doesn't follow David Rehoboam rejects his old counselors altogether that's
1: right they're there oh that's a good word but just as a pastor and an observation because I'm pastored multi-generations uh is that I will talk to some of our seniors, and they will say, "Man, I would love to hand things down, but I feel like Mm no no one cares or listens." And uh, and then I listen to younger people, and it's like, "Well, you know what? I I would love to hear and listen, but I feel like I'm like talked over and misunderstood." Like there's you gotta work that out because God's design is for younger to learn from the older and we've got to get over the you know the obstacles on both ends and this is what's supposed to happen we're supposed to reflect on what god's done in our parents life and let it be an inspiration uh to what he's doing amen Mm -hmm. well listener let me inspire you
0: do the (laughs) right thing and (laughs) pick up a subscription since Since you've been been listening listening to people who are older than you that's right exactly (laughs) (laughs) And pick up a subscription to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast, which you can do by hitting the like button, the thumbs up, the heart, the plus, whatever that looks like on your platform of choice. Get a notification every Tuesday morning when we'll be here with another 30 minutes discussing the grand biblical narrative. Until then, uh, you guys have a
1: great week. See you next time. Shalom.